Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falato on Football. I am the host, Nicholas Falato, and we are ready for the Super Bowl. The conference championship just went down. It just happened, and we have the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, traveling to Tampa Bay to play the first ever actual home team to host a Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going there. That's right. Tom Brady, the GOAT, is going to his 10th Super Bowl. First year in Tampa Bay, first year in the NFC, and now he is representing the NFC against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And both of these conference championship games were pretty interesting. The second game, not as much. It got incredibly chippy at the end of the game, and the Kansas City Chiefs had to be careful. You'd never want to get a suspension and be suspended out of the Super Bowl. That would be the worst mistake you probably ever made in your life. But it was the Kansas City Chiefs who won this football game 38 to 24. The Buccaneers won their football game 31 to 26. And both of the coaches, the losing ones, made some questionable decisions down the stretch of the game that should probably be criticized, especially now looking back on it, that it did not work out. Matt LaFleur, the second year head football coach for the Green Bay Packers, with just over two minutes left in the game, did not go for it on fourth down. Now, just to lay the groundwork, it was a nine-play drive. The score was 31-23. to 23. Green Bay has the ball on the Tampa Bay eight-yard line. It's third and eight. Aaron Rodgers has an opportunity to run for a touchdown. Has almost a clear path. You have Levante David kind of flowing with Aaron Rodgers, but he gets picked by a route. And Aaron Rodgers had a clear path to the pylon where there was seemingly no defenders. But he decided to throw a ball in double coverage to Devontae Adams. It's a decision that is probably going to get picked apart a little bit on social media, but not as big as the next decision. Because on fourth and eight, fourth and goal, all three timeouts, about 2.05 left in the game, Matt LaFleur decides to kick a field goal to make the score 31 to 26, a five point deficit now, which isn't that much of a difference. Now, say you go for it and you don't get it, you still have all th three timeouts and. You're north of the two-minute warning. And the Green Bay Packers defense has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense now backed up within their 10-yard line, unless you got sacked or something crazy like that happened. And if you score, you go for two, tie game. Buccaneers get the ball, your defense holds, could be seeing some overtime. But instead, Matt LaFleur elects to kick the field goal, makes the score 31-26, Tom Brady gets the ball back, and Green Bay never sees the football. And that's pretty questionable by Matt LaFleur. It's open to criticism. I probably wouldn't have done the same thing, but I'm also not an NFL head coach. I can see the logic behind it, but I can also see a lot of logic behind, okay, we have Aaron Rodgers, we have this high-powered offense, one of the best offenses in football. We have Devontae Adams. We have a lot of skilled position players. Let's go for this. If we don't get it, we could still hold him, force a punt, then give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and hopefully score again. Deficit between 8 and 5 is different, obviously, because you have to go for 2, but it's not dramatic. You're still going to need to score a touchdown, and you're within the 10-yard line there. So take another kick at the can there, Matt LaFleur. Did not happen. But the most controversial thing that happened was on that last Buccaneers drive, when they were trying to ice the game, when they were trying to seal their victory. It was a third and four at about 
midfield, a little bit before it. So if Tampa Bay did not convert this, they would have punted the football, and Aaron Rodgers would have had the football back, and it would have been a really exciting end to this game. Now let me lay the framework for this. This entire game hardly had any penalties. It was almost like the refs were betting the under in this game because they allowed the defensive backs to do whatever the heck they wanted. They were draped all over them. And it was very apparent that the refs were allowing a lot of contact throughout the entire game. And really earlier on in the game, Sean Murphy bunting, Tampa Bay Buccaneers cornerback, ends up coming away with an interception by basically pulling on Alan Lazard, getting himself into phase, then jumping in front of Alan Lazard. And that ended a Green Bay Packers drive and gave the ball back to Tampa Bay to go and score points. That was earlier in the game. And then all throughout the game, there were a lot of those types of plays, some that didn't lead to interceptions, obviously, but those types of plays that were just let go. I was like, oh, as long as the refs are consistent, this is fine. I actually kind of prefer this. But then on that third and four play, that third and four play, Tyler Johnson, rookie out of Minnesota, is running a horizontal cross. And Kevin King does commit a penalty. He tugs on his jersey, the underneath part of his jersey, the white part. It's an obvious penalty, but so were all those other penalties that they did not call earlier in this game, that they ignored, that they let go. But they threw that yellow laundry on this play, and that gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the first down they needed to ice this game. And that's very questionable to me. You laid the framework, referees. It was there. You set the precedent. And then you throw that flag, especially since it was like a full four seconds after the play was over and everyone was complaining. It's the human element. That's kind of unfair to the Green Bay Packers. Yes, it was a penalty. And you know what, Kevin King? Don't hold. But you let so much go earlier in this game. So much. And you don't let that go. Not to mention on that same exact play, Tristan Wirfs is holding a Packers defensive lineman. Has his elbow wrapped around the dude's neck. It might have been Kenny Clark, I'm not 100% sure, who played a fantastic game. Not flagged. I'm not saying the Green Bay Packers got jobbed by any sense, but that is unfortunate. And you'd like the referees to be a bit more consistent than that, but they're not. They're human. And that's just the way it is, sadly. And the Green Bay defense actually ended up stepping up towards the end of the game. Came up with those two interceptions. Jair Alexander, because of the pressure from Darnell Savage. Another one by Jair Alexander. And there was one by Adrian Amos as well, who was covering Mike Evans. Tom Brady threw three interceptions in this game. It's not like Tom Brady looked terrible. He had some amazing throws in this game. This isn't a Peyton Manning towards the end of his Denver Broncos career type of thing. Some of these interceptions were just circumstantial. Tom Brady finished this game 20 for 36, 283 for 3. And then Aaron Rodgers, 33 for 48, 346, 3 and 1. Green Bay couldn't get out of their own damn way. Aaron Jones fumbled the football twice. One of them got turned over. He ended up leaving the game. He only had six carries because he was dinged up and got injured. But you have to hold on to the football. It's not going to be any kind of winning formula when you turn the football over. But you can say the same damn thing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who turned the damn football over. 
three times, more than the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers possessed the ball more than Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it didn't matter because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the football game. And it, it, you could just tell it was trending in the absolute wrong direction for Green Bay. I mean, early on in the game, obviously, Tampa Bay was up 21-10 to 10 at halftime. But Green Bay was getting the ball. So it's like, okay, they can get back in. That drive, Aaron Jones fumbles the football. Gives it back to Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay can go and do his business. Put points on the board. And they did. One play. Pass the flat to Cameron Brate. Luckily, Aaron Rodgers responded. Let an eight-play, 75-yard drive that was capped off by a Robert Tunyon touchdown. And then guess what? Tom Brady interception. Then what happened in the next? 13 plays, 68 yards. Green Bay. Touchdown to Devontae Adams. Two-point conversion. Incomplete because Equinemia St. Brown dropped the football. It was tipped a little bit by Ndamukong Sue. But you have to catch that. That makes it a three-point game. That makes it 28-25 to instead of 28-23. to But even still, that's when the next interception happened for Tom Brady. Three consecutive drives capped off by interceptions by the GOAT. It's just on two of the ensuing drives after the interceptions, Green Bay couldn't do much with it. Had a three-play negative five-yard drive ended in a J.K. Scott 55-yard punt, and then a three-play zero-yard drive ended in a 51-yard part by J.K. Scott. I mean, Matt LaFleur is going to be answering so many questions about this, about that play call at the end of the game. And some of the comments after the game just make you think, what the heck is going on? Is... Aaron Rodgers leaving? Because he's saying comments that suggest that it's uncertain in the future, which I think it's fair to say when Jordan Love was drafted in the first round. But it doesn't give you a sense that he's confidently going to come back and they're going to rebound next year. And look, we we went 13-3 the last two years. We're going to be fine kind of thing. No. It was, look, we, we're going to see. We have a lot of people who are uncertain about their futures here. So that's not even a given. Now, if I'm going to put my money on it, I would say that he would be back. You would imagine he'd be back after having an MVP type of season, playing out of his freaking mind. But it's not a given. So I think there's a lot of interesting storylines around the Green Bay Packers here. And credit to Tom Brady. Credit to Bruce Arians and his fantastic coaching staff. Really, Bruce Arians, Jersey guy from Patterson, New Jersey. And this guy, he was Peyton Manning's first quarterback coach back in Indianapolis. He was with the Pittsburgh Steelers from 2004 to 2011. Big Ben's offensive coordinator from 07 to 2011. Before he went to the Indianapolis Colts and actually ended up becoming an interim head coach there because Chuck Pagano, the current Indianapolis Colts head coach, was diagnosed with cancer. And he ended up inheriting Andrew Luck through that. He was the offensive coordinator there anyway, so he had him. And then he went with the Arizona Cardinals, took a break in 2018, came back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2019, and now he's the head coach in his first Super Bowl as a head coach. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, he's 68 years old. He ain't no spring chicken. He's been around the game for quite a while. This dude started his coaching career in 1975. He was a GA at Virginia Tech school that he attended and now he's going to be representing the nfc in the super bowl 
Tom Brady can't say enough about how much of a goat he is. Yes, he threw three picks. It, it didn't matter in the end. It didn't. You never wanted to do that. Some of those picks weren't necessarily his fault. And he's still ripping it. He's still looking great out there. Phenomenal. And, I mean, it just doesn't look great for the uh, whole, oh, who's better, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, which is mostly sports fodder. It really is. Obviously, it's consensus that they're both collectively amazing in their own right. And the culture and the system that is established in New England is great without Tom Brady, but Tom Brady maximizes that system. Can't take anything away from Bill Belichick. He's a phenomenal coach. Tom Brady is a phenomenal quarterback. That's the way it is. As for some of the stats in this game, Leonard Fournette was 12 for 55 with one really, really nice rushing touchdown that looked like the Leonard Fournette from LSU that got him drafted in the top five by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chris Godwin, 5 for 110. Mike Evans, 3 for 51. One touchdown. Scotty Miller, 2 for 36. One touchdown. As for Green Bay, Devontae Adams, 9 for 67 on 15 targets, one touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 4 for 115, one touchdown on 6 targets. Alan Lazard, 3 for 62 on 6 targets. And then Bobby T, 4 for 22 on 4 targets with that touchdown. That's Robert Tanyan. And it's just really cool and really deserving for Tom Brady, who is going to go down as the best quarterback to ever live. He comes to Tampa Bay, first year there, leads them to a Super Bowl, and that Super Bowl is being held in Tampa Bay. Nobody has ever hosted a Super Bowl in their own stadium. And Tom Brady gets to do it. His first year without Bill Belichick. With Bruce Arians, a totally different type of coach. And all of these other young players who do not have any Super Bowl experience get to experience this. But it's going to be a juggernaut going up against Patrick Mahomes and these Kansas City Chiefs who just dropped 38 points on the Buffalo Bills. A defense that's not great, but a defense that has been playing better. But before we get into that game, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. I mentioned the coaching mistakes that Matt LaFleur made, and I alluded to the mistakes that were made in this game as well. And that was from Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. And those mistakes really just are all about the field goals. Look, you're going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium, and you kicked field goals at the two-yard line and the eight-yard line. That's not going to cut it against this offense. It's not going to cut it against Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid. The list goes on and on. You need to be a bit more aggressive. Use Josh Allen in those legs. I mean, when you kick that field goal at the two-yard line, you just cut the deficit to nine. You're not gaining that much from that. It's right before halftime. And you don't even get the ball at halftime. You don't even get the ball at halftime. <laughs> you got to be a little bit more aggressive there against this team. And I love Sean McDermott as a coach. I love Brian Dayball as a play caller. Excellent football minds, obviously. But that lack of aggressiveness is not going to get you anywhere in the playoffs in the AFC Championship game against this offense. Especially the way that that offense was playing. Tyreek Hill was making these defenders miss the entire game. Travis Kelsey was open all the time. He was a Waffle House in the middle of the field. He was just open all the time in the middle of the field. And the Bills didn't have an answer for him. He had 15 targets, caught 13 of them for 118 yards and two touchdowns. 
Tyreek Hill, 11 targets, 9 for 172. It was just insane. Kansas City was running end arounds to Mecole Hardman that went for 50 yards. They were pounding the rock with Daryl Williams to ice the game. They were getting Byron Pringle involved. Yes, Byron Pringle. You probably don't even know who that name is because not a lot of people do, but he's a receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs, so guess what? He has Patrick Mahomes throwing him the football so he can do whatever the heck he wants. And Steve Spagnola going back to the Giants, Steve Spagnola, taking away Stephon Diggs, who finishes the game 11 targets, 6 for 77, but was basically a non-factor through most of the competitive parts of the game. Forcing Josh Allen to double clutch, to roll out of the pocket, getting pressure off the edge. The Bills' offensive line was falling apart with Chris Jones rushing through the interior parts of the line, lining him up a five technique, just dominating tackles, dominating guards. Chiefs were just getting pressure. They got to Allen four times. Patrick Mahomes, he was sacked once, but he fell down at the line of scrimmage. Not the same, but it goes down as a sack. The Chiefs just kept hitting Josh Allen, Frank Clark, Tano Passanio, Chris Jones, Treshawn Wharton, Anthony Hitchens, Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, Lajarius Sneed, who's a stud rookie. They all had hits on him, some multiple. You get pressure on a quarterback, he could be a good quarterback, but as we all know, as Giants fans, people who follow the Giants intently, it doesn't matter, they could be the GOAT. You pressure him and you knock him down, you throw his timing off, it's going to screw with him see the 07 Giants against Tom Brady who's going to see now the Kansas City Chiefs and that was many moons ago it's incredible that this man is still playing football anyhow Patrick Mahomes just playing like a stud 29 to 38 325 three touchdowns against nothing and the yards after the catch he gets from these players it's insane Tyree Kill was making people miss at an incredible rate the Bills, early on in this game, tried to run the football a little bit with Devin Singletary, but I'm sorry, that guy has absolutely no juice whatsoever. That guy is not a good running back. He's not an NFL running back, and I know he's only a second-year player, but he just does not seem to have anything going on for him. They put TJ Yeldon in, and TJ Yeldon looked far superior to Devin Singletary. And TJ Yeldon came down with two really nice grabs. He ended up with four catches, 41 yards on five targets, but two incredible receptions wide receiver level kind of reception and early on the bills were looking really really nice they went up to a nine nothing lead and they also got helped out but miko hardman in that fumble fumbled the punt and these how you beat teams like kansas city chiefs you maximize you take advantage of those types of situations which the bills did the punt miko hardman ends up fumbling the punt and the bills punch it in for a touchdown, little flat pass to Dawson Knox. And you're thinking, wow, Miko Hartman must be really, really low on himself right now. That's terrible. But he ends up catching another touchdown and then breaking a 50-yard run against the Bills. Redeeming himself. Impressively, I might add. Even Clyde Edwards-Alaire got into the end zone here, coming back from the injury. You know, he wants a ring more than anybody because he don't have one. The vast majority of people on this team have one. Heck, if I was an aging free agent, I'm going to Kansas City. Give me the lowest contract ever. I just want to hitch my wagon to Patrick Mahomes. Win a title. Be a Super Bowl champion. The people who have played several years in the NFL never became a Super Bowl champion. Very, very hard to do. There are people who played many, many years in the NFL 
are some of the best players at their position, they barely played in the playoffs. Or they never did play in the playoffs. But this Pat Mahomes is insane. He's going up against someone else who's equally as insane. More insane than Tom Brady. But this game, it was entertaining in the beginning. You thought, oh wow, Buffalo's taking a nice little lead. Then Kansas City erupted in the second quarter. 21 points. So it was 21-12 to at halftime because of that questionable field goal at the end where it was like, eh, you're going to kick that? Oh, I don't know if that's the move, but what have you. And then you watch both these games, and with both these trailing teams, especially the Packers, they just run the play clock down and down and down when they're chasing points. And I never understood that. They like, have a little bit more tempo. I understand that you have maybe a quarter left to play at the end of the third, but if you're down by multiple scores, like I want a little bit more tempo in my game. And I didn't see that either of these outcomes, either of these games. Both of them ended up losing. Not necessarily because of that, but it didn't help. Wouldn't imagine, right? Another backbreaker was when the Bills were down 31-15 to and Josh Allen threw an interception to Brashad Breland and that ended a 12-play drive. If they ended up going down there and scoring they scored a touchdown would have made the game still two scores but it would have made the game a little bit more impressive you could say but a nine point game since these teams were just bouncing between a nine point and a 12 point game nine point and a 12 point game but at 15 to 31 scores a touchdown there instead of throwing that pick then it's going to be 22 to 31 but as we saw after that interception, Pat Mahomes turned it on, 11-play, 58-yard drive, punched it in, 4-6, on touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey, making the score 15-38. to So, that was a backbreaker. I know it was in the third quarter of the game. Didn't seem like the Bills had much momentum at that point, and the interception was actually ended up being thrown in the fourth quarter of the game. It's just the drive started in the third quarter. The better team moved on. Kansas City Chiefs were the better team. The Bills are a very interesting team for the future. A very feel-good story. But as we saw here, dialed up the blitz, got pressure on Josh Allen, took away Stephon Diggs, even gave them an opportunity with that Mecole Hardman fumble. They took advantage of it, but Chiefs bounced back. It's hard to cover Pat Mahomes and all of his weapons. It's just hard to. It's difficult. And Kansas City gets to play those Buccaneers, and it's a rematch because this game has already happened. In week 12, the Chiefs beat the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay 27-24, and that was the game where Tyreek Hill had 206 receiving yards in the first quarter. And the game ended up being competitive. The Chiefs definitely just beat the brakes off of the Buccaneers in the first half, especially in the first quarter. Carlton Davis could not even touch Tyreek Hill in that first quarter throughout most of the game. And Todd Bowles, I'm not really sure what he was doing. He kept going in cover one man and putting Carlton Davis in the position to where he had to keep up with Tyreek Hill's speed with basically no help. And it, it was just, it was really, really bad. They ended up making the score really respectable and it ended up becoming a game in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, but the Chiefs still prevailed. And I think this is going to be a really, really interesting Super Bowl. It's a passing of the guard almost between Tom Brady, who is playing in his 10th Super Bowl, and Pat Mahomes, who was playing in his second Super Bowl, and he's the reigning Super Bowl champion. 
And I think this is the fourth time these two quarterbacks are going to square up against each other in the playoffs as well. This one's for the Lombardi Trophy, though. Not just for the AFC crown. Remember when the Patriots went and played the Rams, these two battled it out, and Tom Brady ended up defeating Patrick Mahomes, going and then defeating the Rams and getting that last Super Bowl for the New England Patriots. Now he's with another team. So same Chiefs. It's going to be a really fun game. I'm excited for this. This is Filato on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed this little breakdown of these two games. All right, there'll be a lot of articles coming out on the site. Please check it out. Chris Flum is doing an amazing job. Joe DeLeon, obviously, Ed Valentine, and the rest of the crew killing it as always. As for me, I'm going to keep doing my thing. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please stay locked in right here on Big Blue View Radio. Take care, everybody.